Welcome to the Half Hill Report. News and items of interest for and about the village of Half Hill, the Valley of the Four Winds, Pandaria, and all of Azeroth. Half Hill Report is produced in cooperation with Half Hill Agricultural College, dedicated to serving the educational needs of the greater Valley of the Four Winds community. I'm your host, Tosh Mafuni, coming to you live as we do every week from the upstairs room at Half Hill's own Lazy Turnip Inn. And it's listener letter time. This week's letter is from uh, Natrend Fairsong, a high mountain tauren who writes to us all the way from Thundertotem. And she writes, <clears throat> To the Half Hill Report, I am writing to correct a rather serious error in last week's The Inside Story that I and many of us here in Thundertotem found very distressing. Oh, dear, that's not a good start. Velmic reviewed our in here, Hammer's Cradle. Disregarding the rather poor review he gave the inn, which greatly upset innkeeper Mesa Wind, Velmic failed to realize that this chamber, while currently serving as an inn, was previously the resting place of the Hammer of Kazgaroth, one of the pillars of creation that shaped Azeroth itself. So while this inn may not have met the apparently lofty standards of your show, it is an important place in both Torin history and in the history of Azeroth. Perhaps Velmec could take a little time to research and understand the importance of the inns he reviews and pay due respect to the traditions of those races with which he comes into contact. Respectfully, Natrid Fairsong. Well, Natrend, first of all, let me say that everyone here at the Half Hill Report, Velmic included, always do our very best to be respectful of all races that we report on. But it appears we may have fallen short of that goal in this case. Velmic's reviews are his opinion on the inn, and I respect those. But I'm sure if he had known about the history of the place, he would have taken that into account. Except maybe about the food, which <laughs> I think you must agree should not be impacted by a location's historical significance. Thanks for writing. And now, on with the news. The Red Crane Society staged a sit-in at the Mogushan Palace, advocating for peon rights. The Red Crane's list of demands were read off in a speech by their outspoken leader, Irie Freeflower, who stated... Our peon brothers and sisters of all races must be properly fed, clothed, housed, and compensated for their labors, from which all of Azeroth benefits. And further, they must be given a path to full rights as citizens of Azeroth. The sit-in was peaceful, observed by a mere handful of Pandaren elders and other curious onlookers. Hafel Ag's own Professor Talip attended the event and expressed to me that she had more than a passing academic interest in this recently organized society and their objectives. On a personal note, I had the great privilege of interviewing well-known peon Thunk right here on the Half-Hell Report, and I have to wonder what he might have to say about this story. Thunk, if you're listening, pal, make your own turnip. In sports news... The new recruiting class of the mighty Mushans of Half Hill Agricultural College, along with returning players, have reported to campus to begin their summer workouts in anticipation of their opening game against their Pandaren rivals, the Emerald Wardens 
of Tian Monastery. The expectations for the Mushans are high this season, and coach Mo Driftbranch has expressed confidence in freshman LG Wintail, a prep standout at Thunder Bluff Prep and the first Torin to play for the Mushans. The Mushans will play a preseason warm-up game against the traveling yaks of the Coda School of Backpacking and Insider Trading. Well, speaking of preseason warm-ups, summer is almost upon us and it's time for some serious preseason work on your farms and gardens. And there's no better place to find what you need than the fine vendors of Half Hill Market, who will have everything you need to make summer a winning season for you. Half Hill Market, open every day all year round, a world of shopping right here in our own backyard. It's time now for Dwarven Dispatches with Eamon Wetbranch, sponsored by Nessingwary Safari. The last time we heard from Eamon, he was back at Proudmore Keep, taking some well-deserved rest with his 7th Legion unit. Let's see what he's up to this week. Hello, lad. I've some exciting news to share. I'm honored and humbled to tell you that I've been awarded Best War Reporter on a college radio station by the fine people from Azeroth's Choice Award. The letter said that this award is based on votes from listeners from all over Azeroth. I want to thank everyone who voted and say that it was an honor to even be considered and that I have great respect for the other war reporters who were considered, whoever they might be. Truth be told, I would prefer that there not be any need for war reporters and that I could go back to being a simple weather reporter but that's a whole other report. Keep the home fires burning, lad. Wow, that is just great, and certainly a well-deserved award to our friend Eamon. But, um, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that Rizak doesn't hear about this. Dwarven Dispatches is brought to you by Nessingwari Safari, who remind you that no one is meant for defeat. Checking the Azeroth calendar, well, if you're in Pandaria, you have a few more days to get in on the Deep Wind Dunk, which, according to some recent visitors to the Lazy Turnip, I perhaps somewhat unfairly described as a cross between a sporting event and a tavern brawl. Well, whatever it may be, I hope all who visit Pandaria will enjoy that event. And in less than one week, all of Azeroth will be ablaze with the bonfires of the Midsummer Fire Festival. This fun summertime 10-day event is celebrated throughout all of Azeroth with the lighting of bonfires, dancing around ribbon poles, and culminates with the fireworks extravaganza in all capital cities. It's time now for our weekly feature, The Inside Story, with everyone's favorite Draenei food and lodging critic, Velmic. So, Velmic, last week you said you were going to stay close to home and visit the inn at the village of Wonkeg in Kunlai Summit. Hey there, Tosh. Yes, it was nice to stay close to home. Alice is still little sad that Daolin is back with 7th Legion, and we wanted to stay nearby. So, Demesis and I take short trip up to village of Wonkeg and visit the Lucky Traveler Inn. And how was it? Cold, windy, and small. Is that the inn or the village? Eh, both, really. Wow, this sounds like it isn't going to be a very good review. 
Well, maybe not so bad. The Lucky Traveler is very small inn, but Chiu Mistpaw keeps clean, mostly cozy place, warmed with a couple of hibachis built into bar. She has good selection of food, with usual menu items like roasted barley tea, skewered peanut chicken, and red bean buns. But all were tasty and surprisingly fresh, and the misses especially like the golden carp consomme with fry bread. And we both enjoyed the peach pie. We were surprised that there were no grummel foods on menu, and were looking forward to trying grummel cake, so that was disappointing. And place could use some sort of door, because cold wind off of mountains blew in pretty steady, and bar is very close to door. Well, you were in Kunlai Summit. Well, how about the village of Wankag? Well, this is small village along Grummel trade route called Burlap Trail. So many Grummel caravans coming and going all the time. It is usually guarded by Shadowpan, but when we were there, only few Pandaren guardians were there and seemed very worried that Shadowpan were not there and about the Hosen. Huh. I'll have to ask Daolin about this. Anyway, like I say, caravans of grummels moving goods and other adventurers coming through here on way west. It has usual services for village like this, blacksmith, general goods seller, those types of things, and collection of visitors, mostly Pandaren. I spend little time talking to three Pandarens sitting around fire, who mostly gossip and complain about lack of kaffa. The Mises was very interested in structure behind inn. Chiyu Mistpa said it was to stop Avalanche from wiping out the village. It seemed to the Mises to be a flimsy defense against such a powerful foe, but village is still there, so... She also get into some type of gambling game going on between Brother Broken Dice and Jilu the Lucky in inn. She tell me it was like game they used to play on Argus, but that didn't seem to help, because rules were strange, and I am thinking from her expression when we leave that she may have lost some gold to the grummel. She was pretty quiet on trip home. <laughs> it seems like a bad idea to gamble against people named Broken Dice and Lucky. I know, right? That's what I tried to tell her. And I don't think it helped that Shah of Anger was so close to village and was all the time yelling about rage and anger. It even got on my nerves. So, once again, I'm almost hesitant to ask, but what's your review of the Lucky Traveler Inn at the village of Wankag? Okay, so it's a bit of a stretch on this one, but I am going to give two crystals, even though Demises say it should get one at most. For only press around, it is okay for to get out of wind and have little something to eat. But there is no place for sleeping, everything smells like wet yak, and I am thinking maybe those two gamblers were in cahoots with innkeeper. Um, cahoots? Yes, cahoots. It's old Draenei word, it means, um, how would you say? They are partners with innkeeper and sharing winnings they take from travelers. Oh, I see. Well. So there you have it, folks. If you're traveling in Cahoots, I, I mean, in Kunlai Summit, the Lucky Traveler Inn seems like it will do in a pinch. So, where to next week, my friend? So, 
next week I travel to a place recommended to me by old friend, a night elf named Aspen Vortex. She has long-time relationship with the Wildhammer Dwarves in the Hinterlands and thinks I might really enjoy seeing the inn they've built at Eddie Peak. She says it is quite unique. Well, we'll look forward to hearing about it. Until next week, Dionys Aka, my friend. Dionys Aka, Tush. See you next week. As always, we are coming to you live from the Lazy Turnip Inn, the Valley's premier dining and drinking establishment. Come by and visit us, won't you? And when you do, make sure to ask Den Den for a cold, refreshing Storm Stout brew. Brewed right here in the Valley by the fine Pandarans at Storm Stout Brewery. When in doubt, reach for a Storm Stout. Well, thanks for joining me again this week, folks. And be sure to stay tuned immediately following this broadcast for The Chronicles of Gadget and Cadfile, where Brother Cadfile will continue his story of his adventures with Gadget. See you next time, and remember, free Pandaria. Welcome to another installment of The Chronicles of Gadget and Cadfile, a series of stories told to me by Brother Cadfile, a gnomish monk who has retired to the Tian Monastery, about his amazing adventures with Gadget, a gnomish engineer who has a knack for getting involved in some real mysteries around Azeroth. This week, Brother Cadfile continues his story about their involvement with a murder mystery in Westfall. Hello, Brother Cadfile. It, it's me again, Tosh Mufuni. Well, well, so it is. Hello, young Pandaren. How very nice to see you again. Come in, come in, sit down by the fire. Would you, um, would you like some tea? I have a nice fresh pot of witchberry green tea. And when I knew Gadget, it was a uh, particular favorite of hers. Yes, yes, that would be very nice. Thank you. So, Brother Cadfile, last week you started to tell me about an adventure you had with Gadget in Westfall involving a murder mystery. I sure would love to hear more about this story. Oh, was I? Well, how kind of you to want to hear about our adventures. Westfall, you say? Hmm. Oh, yes, the Furlbrow affair. Let's see, where did I leave off? I believe you and Gadget had just gathered some clues from murlocs and gnolls. Oh, yes, I remember now. So, let's see. Gadget was quite energized by the discovery of some clues that she was anxious to discuss with Lieutenant Lane, some papers and some bits of red cloth. These clues are damn near worthless, Lane said to Gadget, which she took with more equanimity than I had expected although one of her pink eyebrows did twitch slightly. Fine, Lane, what would you propose to do next then, she said. Lane then sent us off to talk to 
Two-Shoed Lou, a thoroughly disreputable-looking chap who had taken up residence at an outbuilding at the Furlbrow's pumpkin farm. Gadget pressed the fellow for whatever information he could provide, and he seemed quite nervous and unwilling to talk. But after some rather forceful coaxing by Gadget and, owing to some debt he felt to Lieutenant Lane, he reluctantly directed us to the Jangalode Mine, where we might gain some information. But most surprisingly, he bade us take with us a crate that he <laughs> claimed had been his previous place of residence to serve as a hiding place. Are you sure this is a good idea, Gadget? I said as we approached the entrance to the mine. Those kobolds do not look like they will be welcoming of visitors. And you know from our time in the Jasperlode mine how protective they are of their candles. Oh, come now, Cadfile. These kobolds should be easily dealt with. And she patted her boomstick with a sly grin. Well, as usual, she was right, and we made our way to the back of the mine with only minor trouble, leaving a trail of kobolds behind us. And there we came upon a fierce-looking ogre by the name of Glubtok, who we were to discover was the foreman of the mine, and we immediately concealed ourselves in the crate provided by Tushud Lu, which was somewhat of a tight fit, even for a pair of gnomes. I say, Gadget, I whispered to her as we waited, would you mind terribly getting off my foot? But she shushed me as she observed a shadowy figure approach Glubtok. And in an ominous but clearly feminine voice, we overheard this shadowy figure present an offer to Glubtok. Join her cause or die. Gadget and I exchanged a significant glance as this transpired, and once the shadowy figure left, we made our way out of the mine and back to Tushud Lu with great haste. Well, what did you make of that, Cadfile? Gadget asked as we hurried back. I think Glubtok may regret choosing to side with whoever that woman was. There was something amiss about her, I replied. Indeed, Gadget responded. That woman represents an old enemy of Stormwind, and I do not like where this may be leading. But let us see what Lieutenant Lane's informant may have to say about this. Upon our return to Tushud Lu, we began to share with him our observations in the mine, which sent him into such a state that he covered his ears and refused to listen, shouting that information like that could cost a person their life. All he was willing to do was send us off to eavesdrop yet again on a group of thuggish-looking individuals loitering behind the adjacent barn that was serving as a shelter for a large number of displaced citizens from Stormwind. Gadget and I crouched nearby as we overheard these ruffians talking about a mysterious woman who had paid them quite generously for, as they said, the job we did for her on the furl brows. By Jove, Gadget, we appeared to have found our perpetrators, I whispered, but apparently not quietly enough, because they overheard me, and Gadget was forced to deal with them as she had the unfortunate kobolds. But no sooner had the echoes from Gadget's boomstick receded 
Then we heard two more shots from the direction of the cottage of Tushud Lu, followed immediately by a woman's scream. Come, Cadfile, Gadget shouted, and we ran back to find Tushud Lu dead. Lieutenant Lane had already arrived on the scene and was pressing the nearby people for information. You could hear the fear in their voices as they claimed to have seen nothing and ridiculously stated that Tu Shu Lu had died of natural causes. What do you make of this, Lane? Gadget asked. This was an execution, Gadget. Whoever did this was sending a message for anyone that would dare snitch on these criminals. It would appear that poor Lu really did put his foot. He paused and slipped on his clever darkened glasses in his mouth. Gadget snorted at this poor attempt at humor and replied, Well, you seem to have lost your main informant, Lane. What now? Lieutenant Lane frowned and glared briefly at Gadget before gesturing to the southeast and suggested that we speak to an older couple at a place called Saldine's Farm and find out what they may know about this sad affair. <laughs> well, we seem to have exhausted both our tea and our time for this week, young Pendarin, and as usual, I have patience to which I must attend. If you would like, I could continue this another time. Well, yes, certainly. I think both I and our listeners would enjoy that very much. Perhaps same time next week? That would be most pleasant. Until next week, then, young Pendarin. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to another installment of The Chronicles of Gadget and Cadfile, sponsored by Krog's Fine Female Leathers, purveyors of custom-fitted leather armor for the well-equipped female adventurer. Krog's Leathers, fit, form, function, and fashion. by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com. The Half Hill Report is a fan-based fictional podcast based on World of Warcraft. All place names, character names, and music from World of Warcraft used in the Half Hill Report are the exclusive property of Blizzard Entertainment. World of Warcraft is a trademarked or registered trademark of Blizzard Entertainment Inc. in the U.S. and other countries. No copyright or trademark infringement is intended by the Half Hill Report.